وَإِذَا and when تُتْلَى It is recited عَلَيْهِمْ upon them آيَاتُنَا Our verses بَيِّنَاتْ Clear ones. When our clear verses are recited upon them قَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا Those people who don't expect our meeting, who don't believe in the Akhirah, they say اِئْتِ Bring بِقُرْآنٍ With the Qur'an. Meaning bring a Qur'an غَيْرِ هَذَا Other than this. When the Qur'an is recited to them, People who don't believe in the Akhirah, they say, you know what? Bring some other book. Bring some other Qur'an. We don't like it. And if you cannot bring another book, if you cannot have a different law for yourself, then change this Qur'an. Who said this? Which people said this? 1400 years ago, the people who rejected Muhammad wasallam. Do people say similar things today also? Why do you have to follow the Qur'an? Leave it. Leave it. Why are you following the Qur'an? Get rid of it. Leave it. And then they say, okay, if you cannot leave it, then at least change it. Reinterpret it. Right? Awbadilhu, change it. Because they don't like the truth. They don't want to follow it. The Prophet ﷺ is told, قُلْ say, مَا يَكُونُ لِي it is not possible for me, meaning it's not allowed for me, an ubadilahu that I change it, min from tilqa inafsi my own accord. Tilqa literally means direction. Okay? It means direction side. Tilqa inafsi from my direction, meaning from my side, myself, of my own will, of my own accord. Meaning, this is not my kalam that I can alter it as I want, I can change it. It's somebody else's kalam. Whose kalam is it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kalam. What authority do I have to alter someone else's kalam? I am just a conveyor. How can I alter it? If you think about it, if someone has written a book, if someone has given a speech, let's say, and there are some things mentioned in that speech which bother you, you don't like them. Hmm? So you say, I don't want to hear it. Or, if you really want me to listen to it, then please remove this sentence and remove any mention of such and such. Do you have the authority to change somebody else's speech? If you did that, what would happen to you in this world today? If you change somebody else's book, somebody else's speech, isn't that a crime? It's a crime, right? So why is it that we think Changing the Qur'an, which is not the word of any person, especially any person today, any human being, what gives us the authority to change it? So the Prophet ﷺ is told to tell them, I can't change it myself. In attabiru, In not attabiru, I follow, illa except ma yuha ilayya, that which is revealed to me. I'm only a follower. Inni akhafu, indeed I fear. In عَصَيْتُ Rabbi, If I disobey my Lord, I fear عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ The punishment of a great day. So what do we learn over here? But there are many people who don't like the message of the Qur'an. Whether it is of Tawheed or it is of you know, any commands, they don't like it. They don't want to know the Qur'an. They want it to be eliminated. And if not that, at least they want it to be edited. They want it to be changed. But do we have the authority to do that? We don't. So what do we learn? We don't have the authority to change the Qur'an. What is it that we need to do then? Change ourselves. Because this is what people like to do. They like to change the Qur'an so they don't have to change themselves. Isn't that what the Bani Israel did? 
They changed the law in order to suit them. But what did they have to do? They had to change themselves in order to follow the book correctly. قُلْ say, لَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ If Allah wanted, مَا تَلَوْتُهُ عَلَيْكُمْ I would not have recited it upon you. If Allah wanted, I would never have recited this Qur'an before you. وَلَا أَنْنُوَرْ أَدْرَاكُمْ بِهِ I inform you of it. أَدْرَا from the root letters, دَالْ رَا Diraya is to know. And idra and over here, adra is to inform the other, to make someone else know. Are you familiar with this word adraka? Adraka? Where does it come in the Quran? Al-Qari'ah. Mal-Qari'ah. Wa ma adraka mal-Qari'ah. What can inform you? What could tell you? So, wala adrakum bih. Nor would I have ever told you about the Quran. Meaning, why do you have a problem with me? Why are you against me all of a sudden? This is not something that I have invented myself. I'm a follower. I've been given this Qur'an in order to convey it to you. And if Allah wanted, I would never have recited this to you. I would never have informed this to you. فَقَدْ So indeed, لَبِسْتُ فِيكُمْ I remained among you, umura, an age, a lifetime. Meaning, I'm not a stranger to you. You know me from before. I've always lived amongst you people. Min qabli from before it. Afala ta'qilun. Do you not understand? Do you not use your reason? Think about it. Have I ever been taught by someone? Have I ever been tutored? You know me as an ummi. Isn't that so? That's how the Prophet ﷺ was known. Did he ever lie? What was he known as? As-sadiq, the truthful. So, the Prophet ﷺ is told to ask the people that basically what's the problem that you have against me? Why are you after me? Why won't you just accept it? You know my history. You know my reputation. I've never been accused of a lie. If I would never lie about a human being, how would I lie about Allah? How could I lie about the Lord of the worlds? Think about it. And these arguments are very important for us to know today. Because it is on these misconceptions that people reject the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. And these are the proofs that Allah is giving us to show to us the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. And over here, what do we learn? That the Prophet ﷺ lived amongst his people for a long time. How much? 40 years before he received prophethood. Right? And in those 40 years, it was never observed that he fought for power. He strove for money. He lied to people. He sought attention. No. You see, there are some people, through their words, through their activities, it is evident that they are seeking something. Right? They want attention. They want power. They want to have a following. Did the Prophet ﷺ do any such thing? Never. If you're saying that he has invented all of this, then was he ever taught by anybody? Remember that the stories of Israeli prophets, of the Bani Israel, they were unknown to the Arabs. Alright? Like for example, the story of Musa ﷺ, hardly known to the Arabs. The story of Yusuf ﷺ, unknown. They didn't even know how the Bani Israel ended up in Egypt. They had no idea. So the Prophet ﷺ is telling them all of these stories in detail through the Qur'an. I mean, that was only possible if either he received revelation or B, he learned from somebody. But they knew him. He never learned from anybody. He was a simple man who lived with his family, an honest individual who was helpful towards others. 
a kind person with good qualities. So فَقَدْ لَبِسْتُ فِيكُمْ عُمُرًا مِنْ قَبْلِهِ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ And you see, the Prophet ﷺ was not a poet. He was not a poet. He was an ordinary human being. If there was someone who was a poet, and he says one day, I'm a prophet, and he's saying verses of poetry that people are really impressed by, okay, you could say, you know what, he's making it up. Hmm? He had that potential of saying such eloquent poetry. The Prophet ﷺ didn't do anything like that. All of this was something very new in his life. And that in itself was a proof of his truthfulness. Hiraqul, the king of Rome, when the Prophet ﷺ sent letters to the different kings inviting them to Islam, when Hiraqul received the letter, at that same time, the people of Mecca, one of their caravans wasn't happened to be in Rome at the same time. So he basically had them come and speak to him. So he asked them many questions about the Prophet ﷺ. Now remember, who is he asking? Mushrikeen, those who don't believe in the Prophet ﷺ. And one of the questions he asked was, that have you ever accused this man of telling lies before his claim? And Abu Sufyan was the one who was answering on behalf of the mushrikeen. He said, no. Hiraqul said, I wonder how a person who does not tell a lie about others could ever tell a lie about Allah. If you've never accused him of a lie before, never, how could you say now that he's lying about Allah? How is it possible? Not possible. So, فَقَدْ لَبِسْتُ فِيكُمْ عُمُرًا أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ So the greatest evidence of the Prophet ﷺ's truthfulness after the Qur'an is what? His life before prophethood. How he was before prophethood. فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ So who is more unjust? مِمَّنْ Than one who iftara عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا Who lies against Allah. Who fabricates against Allah a lie. أَوْ كَذَّبَ بِآيَاتِهِ Or rejects his verses. إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ Indeed the criminals do not succeed. So if Muhammad ﷺ were lying over here about prophethood, about the Qur'an, he was making all of this up, that I receive revelation from God, what would that be? A big lie against who? Against Allah. What do we learn in this ayah? That that is one of the greatest sins, one of the greatest crimes, one of the greatest forms of injustice. And such a person, la yuflihu. He can never be successful. Tell me, was the Prophet ﷺ successful? Was he? He was, in every way, one of the most successful people. Right? If you think about it as a leader, was he successful? Oh yeah. As a teacher, was he successful? Yeah. As someone who trained others, was he successful? Yeah. As someone who brought a revolution, was he successful? Yes. As a husband, was he successful? Yes. In every way, he was a successful human being. I'm not talking about from a religious perspective, from a worldly perspective. Analytically, if you analyze his life, really, what do you see? that in every way he was the most successful person. When Allah granted him success, then that's a sign that he was indeed a truthful individual. Now, you might say that, well, there are many other people also who commit great crimes and they're also quite successful. Like for example, you know that famous book in which uh, different most influential people and most successful people of history, they're mentioned. What's the name of that book? In which the Prophet ﷺ is also mentioned? 
really famous book that people always quote to show how the Prophet ﷺ was the best man? By Michael Hart, right? So in that book, you know who else is mentioned? Hmm? Does anyone have any idea of who else is mentioned in that book? Yeah. Hitler? Yes? Okay, so forget about everybody else. Just think about Hitler. Hitler is also mentioned. Now, a person might say, well, if you think that the Prophet ﷺ was true because he was successful, well, look, Hitler is also considered to be someone who was very influential. But think about it. Compare the two. What is the reputation? Right? Is there any comparison? Not at all. Look at how the Prophet ﷺ passed away and look at how Hitler passed away. Is there a difference? Night and day. Night and day. There are people who claim to be prophets in recent history. Right? And they have great followings. Great following. Even today. And people believe in that man as a prophet. Sometimes they say he was Isa salam. Sometimes they say he was another prophet. And that he received revelation. But do you know how he died? in the bathroom. The Prophet ﷺ died a very honorable death. So, look at it as a whole. From every aspect, if you analyze the life of the Prophet ﷺ, his children, his wives, his companions, his victories, his accomplishments, his simplicity, his life, his death, after him. In every way, if you analyze his life, that's the life of who? A successful man. And that in itself is a proof that he was a prophet of Allah. Alayhi salatu wasalam. So, إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ Allah does not give success to criminals. وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ now the problem is that the people don't want to believe in the Qur'an. They don't want to believe in the Prophet ﷺ. So they will keep coming up with one reason or another. Sometimes they will object to the Qur'an. Sometimes at the Prophet ﷺ. Sometimes at the ayat. Whatever it may be. But they're coming up with a reason. One thing or another. Why? Because they're actually holding on to something that they don't want to leave. They're holding on to something that they don't want to leave. The Qur'an demands them to change their lifestyle. The Qur'an demands from us that we leave everything and love who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be the greatest in our hearts. He should have priority. For His sake, we should be able to give up anything. From our sleep, to our favorite food, to our favorite pastime, whatever it may be. This is what the Qur'an demands from us, right? Islam is what? Surrender, submission to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if your nafs comes in the way, or your family comes in the way, your job comes in the way, your money comes in the way, your entertainment comes in the way, whatever it may be. Regardless of all that, you have to surrender to Allah. But what prevents people from doing that? وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ They are worshipping besides Allah. مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ That which does not harm them, وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ Nor does it benefit them. They're worshipping other deities, whether it is their nafs, or something made of stone, or wood, or something else. They love these beings, they worship them, their goal is to you know, please them. But in reality, 
these false gods, can they harm them? Can they protect them from harm? No. Can they benefit them in any way? No. وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, هَؤُلَاءِ These are shufa'auna, our intercessors. عِنْدَ اللَّهِ near Allah. Shufa'a, plural of shafir. Who is shafir? Intercessor. That you can't talk to someone directly, so you ask someone to intercede on your behalf. So in other words, they worship these beings thinking that these beings will draw them closer to Allah. These people... These individuals, these false gods will draw them closer to Allah. Allah says, قُلْ say, أَتُنَا بِئُونَ اللَّهَ Are you trying to tell Allah? Are you trying to inform Allah? بِمَا with that which لَا يَعْلَمُ He does not know فِي السَّمَوَاتِ In the heavens, وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Nor in the earth. You're saying that these idols, these false gods are shufa'a عند Allah. They will draw you close to Allah. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not know of any such being that will draw you closer to Allah. Are you trying to tell Allah about something that He does not know to exist? So if Allah does not know something like this exists, then obviously it does not exist. You understand? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about everything. And if something is not in His knowledge, that means that it's not there. Because His ilm is kamil ashamil. Subhanahu, exalted is He, wa ta'ala, and high above, amma yushrikun, above that which they associate with Him. So what prevents people from believing? What? It's these false gods. What prevents people from going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's these false gods. What caused people to reject the prophets? It's these false gods. If you think about it, the mushrikeen, was the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ not evident to them? It was. But what was the fear they had? That if we leave these idols, where are we going to eat from? Because nothing grows in Makkah. If we have food, it's because people come to Makkah in order to worship these idols. And if these idols are gone, who's going to come here? Who's going to give importance to us? This is why they held on to their pagan beliefs. وَمَا كَانَ النَّاسُ And the people were not. إِلَّا except أُمَّةً wahida, A single nation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about history over here. That today people are worshipping multiple gods besides Allah. But how was it before? Before, long time ago, people were a single nation. Meaning, they were all upon... Tawheed upon fitrah. People were created on fitrah. Humanity was on tawheed. So what happened then? Fakhtalafu. So they differed amongst themselves. Divisions happened. How? That one person was very amazed by the sun, another was amazed by the moon, another was amazed by a rock, and another said, what you're doing is wrong. Right? So what happened? Some started worshipping the sun, others the moon, others the rocks, and there were others who remained firm on Tawheed. فَاخْتَلَفُوا It's like, you know, a family. Hmm? Children are small. Okay? So whatever the mom says is right, everybody says, yes, that's right. Whatever she says is wrong, everybody says, yes, it's wrong. But then what happens? As those children grow older, they say, but I like this. I like to do that. And I want to do that. So the mother says, don't do it, it's not good. But what do the children say? 
but I like to. But I want to. I don't feel like this and I feel like that. Did that ikhtilaf happen? Yes. The mother says, wear purple. And the daughter says, no, I want pink. Hmm? The mother says, wear these clothes. And the son says, no, I don't want to wear these clothes. Ikhtilaf happened, right? So this is something natural. It happens. So what happened with humanity also? They were upon Tawheed and very soon Shaitan Iblis led them astray. The people of Nuh they were doing shirk. وَلَوْلَا And if it had not been, kalimatun for a word, sabaqat it preceded مِنْ رَبِّكَ from your Lord. Meaning, if it had not been for a kalima that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already decided. What does kalima mean? Word, statement. Meaning, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in other words, this law, this promise that Allah has, that He has made from before, and what is that promise, what is that law? That people will be given their Ultimate outcome where? In the akhirah. People have freedom in this life to choose what they want to do. They want to do good, they have that choice. They want to do evil, they have that choice. Think about the two sons of Adam salam. Did one not have the ability to kill the other? Didn't he? Yes. And did he not kill him? He did. Didn't the first murder happen eventually? Yes. Very soon. I mean, this is just the second generation you can say. Right? So, people have free will to choose what they want to, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a law. And what is that law? That people will be compensated finally where? In the akhirah. People are given time to do what they want to. Do wrong? Okay, do it. You want to repent? Okay, go ahead, change your ways again. Say sorry. But if you don't want to, stay like that, go ahead, you have the choice, no one is stopping you. However, in the akhirah, you will be made to see your consequences. So if this principle was not in effect, what would happen? لَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ Surely it would have been decreed between them. فِيمَا فِيهِ يَخْتَلِفُونَ Concerning that which they differ. In other words, Allah allowed shirk to begin. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given freedom to people. He has given them the aql, and He has also given them the ayat. And this is what the test is about. That how do you use your aql? And how much attention do you pay to the ayat? And then what do you do? What do you do? And what people do, that is what they will reap in the akhirah. In the hereafter, matters will be resolved. Differences will be resolved. وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, لَوْلَا Why not? أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِنْ رَبِّهِ an ayah has been revealed from his Lord. How come a miracle has not been given to him from his Lord? Ayah over here does not mean ayat of the Qur'an. They were coming regularly. Which ayah is this? A sign, a miracle, something tangible, physical, very impressive. So they wanted something like, you know, the barren valleys of Makkah to turn into meadows and rivers and valleys, right? They wanted that Mount Safa should turn into gold. They wanted such miracles. So they said, how come a miracle has not been given? Because you see, they wouldn't think logically. He's a prophet because he's true. He would never lie about a human being. Why would he lie about Allah? Yes, what he's saying makes sense. They didn't want to think about it logically. They were just biased. So they were coming up with you know, any excuse to deny him. First they said, how could a human being be a messenger? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refuted that completely. And now they say, well, where's your big miracle? We want to see some big miracle. وَيَقُولُونَ لَوْ لَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ آيَةٌ مِّن رَبِّهِ فَقُلْ So say, tell them, that إِنَّمَا الْغَيْبُ لِلَّهِ Indeed, the unseen is for Allah. Meaning, He knows the unseen. And unseen, what does it refer to over here? Unseen is what? It refers to future. Right? So, that knowledge is only with Allah. Meaning, He knows if a miracle is going to be sent, And if it's going to be sent, what it is going to be, and when it is going to be, he knows about this. Don't ask me. Because I am only a conveyor. I am only here to convey. This Qur'an is not my word. It's Allah's word. He is the one who has sent me. So if he wants to send a miracle, he'll send it. Is he gonna send it? When is he gonna send it? I don't know. This knowledge is with Allah. فَانْتَظِرُوا So just wait, keep waiting. إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُنْتَظِرِينَ Indeed, I am with you of those who are waiting. Because I don't know the knowledge of the future either. Who knows? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. That if a miracle should be sent or not. If it's really going to be good for the people or not. Was a miracle eventually given? The Qur'an itself was a miracle. Right? But the miracles that the mushrikeen demanded, were they given? Did the Mount Safa turn into gold? Did the valleys of Makkah turn into meadows and rivers? No. The moon was split though. But did every person see it? No. And those who saw it, what did they say? Magic. So really, Allah knows what He should do. Which request He should fulfill and which He should refuse. And if the people of Makkah were granted miracles one after the other so that they would believe, okay, they would believe. But then what would people say today? We want to see some miracle too. Why are we expected to believe without seeing a miracle? So really, Iman should not be based upon just seeing a strange event. Right? Because this is what many people do. They say, oh, you know, we saw something amazing and because of this I believe that what I'm doing is right. Like I remember somebody once told me that they were beating themselves up, you know, like some people do at certain times of the year in remembrance of the family of the Prophet ﷺ. And they said that I do it very, very, you know, consistently, religiously, and I believe what I'm doing is right because once I was doing it and I saw blood on the hand that they believe in. And that hand, I mean, there was no person nearby and I saw blood trickling from it. I saw it with my own eyes. So I know what I'm doing is right. Well, you know what? That could be hallucination. That could even be from shaitan. You know that? Because shaitan does these things. Faith should not be based on just strange events. Yes, these strange events that happen, they make us think about what we want to do. They add to the faith. They strengthen the faith. But faith should be based upon what? On what? On haqq. Is it really haq or not? Does it meet the criteria of haq or not? Is it according to the Qur'an and sunnah or not? And if we believe in the Qur'an, if we believe in the sunnah, why do we believe in it? Look at the Prophet ﷺ. Look at his life as a whole. And that in itself is an evidence that yes, he was a truthful, honest man. Right? So if you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
He really wants us to use our mind. In all of these ayat, what are we being made to use? Our mind. Look up at the sun, at the moon. Look at your own self. Analyze the life of the Prophet Think, step, step back and analyze. Think about it logically. Does it make sense or not? Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا بَيِّنَاتٍ قَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا أَتِ بِقُرْآنٍ غَيْرِ هَذَا أَوْ بَدِّلْهِ قُلْ مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أُبَدِّلَهُ مِنْ